Lord. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here to worship the Lord this morning. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. I want to read the whole, uh, the first eight verses. This is a parable that the Lord gives. And let's, let's begin reading in Luke 18, verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because the widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And here's what we're looking at today, verses 7 and 8. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now we're going to, we know the parable, we've heard it before. We're not going to focus so much at the whole, on the whole parable as on the last two verses that we just read. God shall, it's a rhetorical question, shall not God avenge his own elect, that which cry unto him day and night, though he bear long with them? God will avenge his people. God will absolutely, we talked about it a little bit in Sunday school this morning. God will avenge his people. This is the God of heaven. This is the God we serve. He's not a man. He's not a man that he should do unjustly or unrighteously or forget to help or anything like this. This is the God of the Bible. This is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the God that we serve. And he will avenge his own. Time may pass. And I'm speaking to us a simple truth this morning. But time may pass. And in our eyes, too much time may pass while we're waiting on the Lord to deliver us or help us or come to our rescue. The trial is too long. Uh, it, it, it seems unbearable. The waiting seems unbearable. It seems as though God has forgotten us. It seems as though the Lord has abandoned us. And it, the, the promise, whatever hope we may have had, seems like it's almost faded away. I know that because I can experience that and have in my own life where we are Christians, we know the Lord, but what we've hoped for, it's just almost what, what was burning so strongly in our hearts at some time years before uh, that we were sure was going to come to pass or maybe our faith for a healing or our faith for something was so strong and, it, and as time has passed, in our eyes too much time has passed, and it seems like the little glimmer of hope is, is almost been quenched. It's almost extinguished. It seems that God is unconcerned. It seems that God has forgotten about our situation, our plight. And yet that is not the truth. It is not the truth. I'm going to even either believe what I feel or what I think in this little peanut brain of mine. Or I'm going to believe, thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to rest upon the this awesome wonderful god whose name is faithful and true he will always avenge his own it's one of the things that's taught at the end of this parable jesus said it he will avenge his own speedily he is going to avenge i want to read this scripture from the proverbs 13 12 just real quickly hope deferred maketh the heart sick 
But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. And so we can feel sick in our heart as Christians because hope's deferred. It's put off. It's, there's a long delay. And we, it makes the heart sick. And yet, yet when it comes, when the thing is fulfilled, and it's the Lord in this instance that's going to fulfill it, it's a tree of life. Okay? And we, we're to hang on and believe the Lord. You and I need to trust the Lord to avenge speedily. We need to believe the Lord. We need to be reminded of this truth this morning that God will avenge His own speedily. And you and I need to, by faith in the living God, learn to wait on the Lord. Nobody likes to hear about it. Uh, I need to preach on it because I need it myself. Okay? And we all need it. But you and I need to learn to wait upon the Lord. God may wait a long time before He helps us. It's just a fact, okay? God may wait a long time. For Him, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. It's not for us, okay? Uh, a day is a long time if you're in excruciating pain. I remember a kidney stone. I promise you five minutes was, was pain. Uh, but God may wait a long time, but it's no longer than our God sees fitting or necessary. He's not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. He's not lazy. He's not forgetful. Uh, he's not procrastinating. Okay? He's putting off what He knows He should do. He will always come, but He's going to come in the fullness of time. That is a, a biblical term, and it simply means in the fullness of time. It means when God's time is fulfilled. Jesus wasn't supposed to come a year before He came. He came when He was supposed to be born. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, it says in Galatians. And so, He'll come in the fullness of time. He will come to help us. And when He comes, He's going to come speedily. That's the word that's used, that Jesus uses in chapter uh, 18, verse 8. I tell you, He will avenge them speedily. And that word speedily, not only does it mean quickly, like we would think a short space of time, but it also means mightily. So when God comes, he, it means mightily. It means substantially. It means altogether. So think about it. When the Lord does come, He waits a long time. He, he bears long with us. We think we're bearing long with Him. He's bearing long with us, it says. But when He comes, He'll come. For sure, He's going to come. I tell you, He will avenge His own. Okay? But He's going to come speedily. Quickly when He does come. And He's going to come all together. Substantially. Mightily. And when He comes, you're going to know it. You're going to know your Redeemer has come. You're going to know your Deliverer has come to deliver you. You're going to know your Healer has come to heal you. It's a, it's a wonderful thing when the Lord uh, does come like that. And He's going to come like that. And so, uh, th there's a uh, scripture, Proverbs. I'm going to look, at the, uh, look this up real quickly in Proverbs 20, 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. And so, y'all, we're, we're having to learn to wait upon the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We see too many times in the lives of human beings that we take vengeance into our own hands. 
but the Bible says that the Lord will avenge his elect speedily. It's best to wait on the Lord. It's always best to wait on the Lord to do it. We're to love our enemies. We're to pray for those that despitefully use us and persecute us. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. That's my responsibility. I need to be wise. I need not to put myself in that situation again if I can help it, or I got hurt or burned before or taken advantage of. But the vengeance part is the Lord's. He will avenge his own speedily. And we, it's best to wait on the Lord, always. And so we're talking about waiting on the Lord. The waiting saint, the waiting believer waits. You know it because you know what I'm talking about. There's something you're waiting on in your for right now in your life. The waiting saint waits and he prays and he watches and he hurts and he cries out to God and he waits and he prays and he watches and he hurts and he cries out to God. And yet the Lord's going to come. And he's going to come mightily when he comes. David said, I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dry. You ever been there? I'm weary of crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. We've all been there. And if you haven't, you will be at some point in your life. We're, we're going to be. We watch and we pray and we wait, wait and we hurt. And we, we look and we cry out to God day and night. And yet... The Lord is coming. Amen. He's coming. That word avenge means retribution. When the Lord says, I tell you, he will avenge speedily. That word means retribution. It means vindicate. But it also means to perform, to ex execute, to raise up. The Lord's going to raise us up. And he's going to deliver us. So it's not just avenging of an enemy or an adversary. I think it definitely includes that. But he's also going to perform what he said he's going to perform. He's also going to raise us up out of the circumstance, the situation, uh, the oppression, whatever it may be. Uh, the, the Bible says that we're to wait on the Lord and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. He's going to do that. So what seems like I get unnoticed, unappreciated, they're praised for being holy and righteous and they're really wicked. And I'm doing the right thing and I'm getting hammered over here. Whatever it is, whatever the circumstance or situation, the Bible says, wait on the Lord. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Okay? He says that the Lord will bring forth your righteousness, your integrity, if you're walking uprightly before the Lord, trusting God, doing what's right, loving your enemies, praying for your enemies, not... Not uh, trying to get even yourself. Just giving it over to God. God is going to bring forth that righteousness in you. It's His righteousness in you being lived out. Okay? But God shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. It's going to be fully declared and manifest is what He's saying. We need to wait. He is going to avenge us, so to speak, and whatever we're going through. If the unrighteous judge... In this parable, that was a parable. If the unrighteous judge avenged the widow of her adversary, which the Lord said he certainly would, and he's, he's, the judge said he would, shall not God, our God that we serve, avenge his own, which cry out to him day and night, though he bear long with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. 
He will vindicate, he will execute, he will perform, he will raise up, he'll do whatever needed in our lives. It's going to come not when we think it's best. We think it's best one second after the trial started. God's best says it's best when it's best in his eyes. And I want to read this. If you're taking notes, you can just jot this. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's going to do it. The promise is sure. It's absolutely going to take place. There's nothing that's going to stop God from fulfilling his promise. He will do it. But he says here, in this instance, it's after we have suffered a while. That even the Lord, the Father, saw it fitting for his son to be perfected or matured or completed, so to speak, in his earthly life through suffering. That's what it says in Hebrews. The author of our salvation, the captain of our salvation, perfected through suffering. And so the Lord sees fit to do that. He's the potter, we're the clay. We're just going to have to trust in the Lord. We're going to have to trust in the Lord. Amen? And, and, and wait upon the Lord. He's going to come and he's going to deliver. He's going to heal. He's going to vindicate. He's going to rescue us in this life and all the way through. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. He's taking care of that as well. All the way through and all the way to heaven. He's going to raise us up, deliver us, avenge us, vindicate us, heal us, come to our rescue, perform what he promised. He will always do it. But at the end of this parable, and I know you're probably still in Luke 18, at the end, Jesus asked a very important and an interesting question after he says, he will. Your father, God, will avenge his own, which cry to him day and night, though he bear along with them. He says he's going to do it speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That's how he closes that parable. The question is not, is God faithful? He is without question faithful. And in this parable, that's restated. It, it's not a question, is God able? He is able. It's not a question, is Jehovah willing to save and to help and avenge his own elect, which cry out him day and night? It's not a question, is God going to be faithful and help? The question that Jesus, our Lord, asked, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find true living faith? Now, I think this definitely is speaking of an end times characteristic, okay? When the Son of Man cometh, okay? We could say when he comes, he's coming in the rapture, first of all. He's going to come in the clouds and we're going to meet him, all right? All the believers are going to go. Then there'll be this tribulation period. Then he's coming again. The second coming of the Lord at the end of the tribulation to start his earthly millennial reign. When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? The characteristic is, there, is there's going to be a falling away. That's what we're going to be talking about. So it's an indication of the, the moral climate when the Lord comes. But, but not just, I don't think it's, the, the whole parable was about what? The parable was, not, was about prayer. He spoke this parable, look at verse 1, unto them to this end or for this purpose. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. So he gives us the little lesson, what we're supposed to learn from it in verse 1. 
He's the following parable. He spoke this parable to men that we ought to pray. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. All right. So it's a parable is about prayer. I know it does to, to me. It's clearly speaking of end times when the son of man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? But I also believe the more I pray over this and think about it, the whole parable is about prayer. When he comes to help, when he comes to 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 us individually as believers, his own that are crying out to him day and night, will he find faith? Will he find faith in us? I'm, I'm not excluding the end times situation. I do believe it, it's that. But I also think if the parable is about teaching men to pray and not to faint, and he ends that parable by saying, when, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When he comes to you, you're crying out to God for something. Are we praying by faith? When he comes to help, or is he going to find us doubting or find us believing him, trusting him? The hour in which we live as the redeemed of the Lord is characterized this, this age, end times, the last days, the latter times, right, is characterized by a falling away from the faith, faith, uh, men departing from the faith. This know also that in the last days, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last days, men, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And so we've looked at that word perilous, and we've talked about it a lot, it seems like, lately. Perilous is the only time it's used in the New Testament, by the way. Perilous times shall come, Paul said, so it was future, okay? Doesn't mean there weren't perilous times in his day, but he's definitely saying there were going to come. It means dangerous, it means difficult, it means furious. This is not a happy word. It means fierce. It means you and I... And we're the ones that are living in this time right before the Lord comes back for his church. And then all of the tribulation and everything begins. We're living, and I don't think we could, any of us could argue say we're not, that we're not living in dangerous times. Difficult times. Furious times. Fierce times. But also one of the other definitions of this word, perilous, for perilous times, means reducing the strength. So I'm going to break this down and talk about it the rest of, of this morning. Reducing the strength. Our strength is the Lord, right? I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Our strength is Christ and our strength is our faith in the Lord. In other words, the way I'm strengthened and helped is by my faith in my rock. In my God. He is the strength of my life, and my faith in God appropriates that relationship and the, and the power of God and the help of God to my life. But Jesus says, Have faith in God. Jesus said, You believe in God, believe also in me. It has to do with our faith in the Lord. He's the rock of all times, but He's not my rock if I'm not keeping my faith and my trust in the Lord. Not just to bring me to heaven, but day by day. In perilous times, in furious, fierce, uh, difficult times. Our strength to move mountains, which Jesus said we have, is what? Through what? Our faith. 
If you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it shall be done. And nothing shall be impossible to him that what believes. So we're talking about our faith. And Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So what is being in the perilous times, what is actually the idea that's a perilous time? Okay, it's scary times, it's fierce, it's difficult. We understand that, but we're talking spiritually. The times that we're living in and that all believers are living in as we get closer and closer and closer to the return of the Lord are difficult and their work. The times and the environment are working to reduce our strength. That was one of the definitions. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The times, the environment, the climate, the atmospheres spiritually is going to have the effect to work it doesn't have to have this effect but i'm telling you what what the working is working to do the working is working to reduce your faith in almighty god the working of the times is getting is working to make you throw in the towel had enough you know i always always use that picture and you've seen it in the nature shows those salmon swimming upstream they, they speak to me. Those little fish speak to me. And I'll tell you why. They're born up there somewhere in a freshwater river. They go down out the river to the ocean, Pacific Ocean or wherever they're going. And they'll live for two years out there. And then they go, they're able to find, the Lord shows them, the river they were born in. And they go back up that river two years later. And upriver is not fun. And upriver is not easy. They're going upstream. One thing you have the current. The other thing you have the incline of the, the land. Okay? It's flowing downstream. So they're moving up. And some places they're going up waterfalls where they get back up and jump. And they trap several times. They, they're moving. And I'll say this about these salmon because I've watched these shows. They've got bears eating them as they go. They got eagles, they got fishermen, and different things scavenging them as they go. But one thing about those fish, and God put it in them, they are going to get where they're going to lay their eggs, or they're gonna die trying. But not one of them stops. Not one fish says, you know what, I've had enough. I'm exhausted. I don't think I can make it. Just put the brakes on run around, back out into the ocean. There's not one that does that. They get where they're going or they die trying. And I think that's a good picture for Christians and for believers. I know it's a good picture for me. It is hard. It is fierce. It is difficult. The times we're living in are more difficult than they were a year ago. They're more difficult than they were, you know, when you and I were in school and so forth. We can, But we need, the, the, the times are working to rob our faith, to rob our faith in God. And so Satan, we have an adversary, he's very real, okay? Satan is specifically hard at work to weaken your faith in God. We need to be aware of that. We're not ignorant of his devices. It's not a big joke. Satan's not just a big joke. I, I, you know, when I've heard pastors and people say he's just as toothless, you know, no power. That's not true. He is an adversary. The Bible describes him as a roaring lion 
walking about seeking whom we may devour, whom resist steadfastly, how? In the faith, knowing that these same afflictions are accomplished in your other brothers that are Christians in the world. And so he's not some uh, powerless serpent who can't hurt you. He can when we walk away from the Lord. He can when we give place to him. He can when we give space to him. Don't give place to the devil. Our strength is in Christ. He cannot touch us there. We don't live in fear of the devil. But we'd also be ignorant. It's not wise to be ignorant of his devices and to know what he's after. What he's really, really after is not your label of Christianity. He's after your faith. Because... Uh, he's hard at work to reduce that strength in, of our faith in the Lord. And that would be the effect. In other words, our faith would be weakened if it not for the Lord and His ability to keep us. Right? Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to pre present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Right? Unto Him, the only wise God, our Savior, and, and it gives glory to God that he's able to keep us. But Satan is hard at work to make you doubt. What does he want you to doubt? Honestly, don't think, don't believe, looking at the Bible, that Satan can take a believer and, and take them to hell. All right? But he is after your faith. He, he wants you to doubt the goodness of God. He wants you to doubt the power of God. He wants you to doubt the faithfulness of God and His faithfulness to you. Satan wants you to doubt it. Satan is after your joy. He's after your peace. He wants you to doubt the promises of God. And it's just like He did in the garden. I always say, we don't I'm not, ever put a question where God puts a period. If, if God says, in the day you eat of this fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you will, you'll surely die. And Satan says, Yea, hath God said, You should surely die. You should not eat of this tree. Don't put it in question. It's not a question. Satan's clever. He's crafty. He can trick me. He can trick me up. Don't put in question what God's put in a period. Yes, he said it. I'll die. I'm not going to reason about it. I'm not going to discuss it with you, devil, or anybody else. God said, If I eat that fruit, I'm going to die. I'm not going to put a question mark where he put a period. He says the day I'll eat of it, I'll die. Satan is after our faith in God. And let me tell you that there can, one, an individual can be very orthodox, I guess you would say, or correct in his or her doctrine, and maybe have been a Christian for a long time and still have their faith weakened if we're not careful to tend to our faith and guard it. Guard our hearts, guard our faith in the Lord. Uh, we we can, can have our faith reduced. Let me tell you one of the ways I think a true Christian can have their faith re reduced. We're very doctrinal. We have all our doctrines correct, and we should. That's very important. We preach a lot about doctrine, okay? What we believe is important. And so we believe, and we check, 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 and we would defend it. We would fight for right doctrine if somebody said something otherwise, right? And yet we might believe it generally in the big picture, but not believe it ourselves personally in my situation or my circumstance I'm going through. One can be, believe the right things. God is faithful. Check. The word of God is true without error. Check. 
But when it comes personally to my life, I'm doubting it. I believe he's a healer. And I would fight and I would preach it and I would tell anybody, God still heals today. He's the healer. He changes not. And yet I'm, I'm sick and I'm doubting that he's going to heal me. We need to watch that. We need to stand strong in the faith and stand strong in the Lord. That, that is how our faith can be reduced. We need to give attention and attendance to the things that strengthen our faith. So you think about what are the things that build your faith in the living God? Word of God? Holy Spirit? If we're not filled with the Spirit, we hadn't been filled in a long time, we need to pray for a fresh new filling. Because the Holy Spirit's going to lead me into all truth. The truth is that He's faithful. And that's going to strengthen my faith. The Word of God, the people of God, the assembling of ourselves. And we need to stay away and avoid the things that are served to weaken our faith. If I sit personally, if I sit in front of the, the 24 hour news cycle, just watching it, watching it, watching it, I know that I know what's going on, but it, it erodes, it eats away. I'm not saying we shouldn't watch the news or know what's going on, but whatever things serve to weaken your faith, it could be TV shows that aren't please, pleasing to God. It could be secular music that's not pleasing to God. It could be friendships and relationships that we have with unbelievers and we're unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Whatever is serving to weaken our faith, we need to stay away from that. Forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is going to serve, serve to weaken our faith. You can't just make it up on the backside some other way. If we're called to meet together, then God would have us to meet together. And I want to read this. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John. Satan is after your faith. 1 John 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous, that means they're not burdensome. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. What does it say? Even our faith. So reducing the strength, we're in perilous times. Satan is after your faith. In the, the environment, the moral darkness around us, which is increasing and getting darker, uh, as we live and as we speak right now, it's getting darker. The effect of that is to weaken and reduce our strength, specifically our faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth? That's faith. That Jesus is the Son of God. It says two times that we overcome by faith, by believing. We overcome the world. So the, the perilous times are coming. They're coming to the world. They're in the world. What overcomes that? This is the victory that overcome with the world, even our faith. This is how we overcome. It means overcome means to conquer, to prevail, to get the victory. How do I get victory? It's not only in having my doctrinal statement correct. That is important. You know I believe that that's important. It's not only having our doctrinal statement correct and checked where it should be checked. But it is the faith in God that's living that I trust Him today. That Job says, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. It is that living faith today. Because otherwise, it's almost like this faith that you've called faith and you put it on the shelf over here. You'll earnestly fight for that thing over there. But it's not doing you, you're not overcoming by that faith. It's just a cause for argument for somebody that doesn't believe. 
but it's not helping you. It's not increasing your peace from day to day. It's not increasing your joy. And remember, by faith, Hebrews 11, the elders obtained. Faith always obtains something. True living faith is going to lay hold on what God has said, on thus saith the Lord, like a pit bull, going to lay hold on it, and faith will obtain it. It's going to get it at some point. Be longer than we, we want it to wait, almost always, I promise you. But faith is going to obtain, and our, what the victory that overcomes the world. What is it that overcomes the world? Even our faith. And so that is what our adversary is after, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, y'all, the devil knows, the devil knows the word of God. The devil knows the promises of God. The devil knows the power that's in the name of Jesus, right? Those demons uh, in, in Acts chapter 16, I believe, where it said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? They knew the power of the name of Jesus, right? The demons, more than the people that were standing around witnessing all this go on. When Paul was casting, the, uh, when those seven sons of Sceva were trying to cast the demons out of the man. Jesus we know, the demons are speaking. Paul we know, who are you? Devil, the devil knows the word of God. He knows the power of God. He knows that he is desirous and, and willing and able to avenge his own speedily, which cry out to him day and night. He knows the power in a spirit-filled believer. He knows the power in a spirit-filled church. Satan knows that. He's against all of that. That's why the question is, do we believe it? Do we believe the power that's in a spirit-filled believer? Do I believe the power that's in a spirit-filled church? Do I believe the power that's in the name of Jesus? Oh, I would preach it and tell you and, and believe it to an extent, but do I believe it to where I hit the streets with my Bible in my hand and believe it? Or I'm trusting God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? That is what he, Satan is after, that living faith, that real active faith. And he knows the, the goodness of God, the power of God, the, the promises of God, that they're sure and they're forever settled in heaven. His word is, do we believe it? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Not only when he comes to rapture his people, but when he comes to, to his people. Wednesday night, we're praying and fasting. I want to pray believing. And if fasting helps me get my mind fixed on the Lord and puts down the carnal and gets me focused on the spiritual, so be it. Praise God. Lord, use it in my life like that, to fast and pray. Do we believe it? Will men believe it? Will men believe the Lord? Jesus, when he was with a group of blind men, I forgot how many, it's more than one. And, and he, he says, when he came into the house where they were, he asked him a question. He didn't just heal him. He asked him a question. Believe ye that I'm able to do this? They said, yea, Lord. Hallelujah. They did say, yea, Lord. And they meant it. All of them were healed and received their sight. It's not a question, can he heal? Do you believe that he can heal? Do you believe whatever you're waiting on God for, that you've heard from the Lord, the question is not, can he do it? I tell you, he will avenge his own speedily. But when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Do I believe it? Our adversary wants us to, to get become fearful. These are fearful times we're living in. Our adversary, the devil, wants us to get restless. Our adversary, our devil, wants us to be 
become dissatisfied with the Lord and tired of waiting on the Lord. Our adversary wants us to get uh, take matters into our own hands. Not walk away from the faith, totally abandon Christianity. He would be, it's, it's a stepping stone away to where I, instead of waiting on God, I said, you know, I'll just do this myself. Just, just do it myself. And, and trust in our own abilities rather than waiting on God. Right? Our adversary, the devil, wants us to just try something else. You try praying and fasting and studying and going to church and waiting on God. Try something else now. Turn to something else. Turn to someone else. Quit praying. Or if you do pray, quit praying by faith. That's what Satan's wanting us to do. Still say your prayers. You ever said prayers, but you know you're really not praying by faith? I have. Many times I'm ashamed to say I need God to strengthen me. I'm not just saying prayers, but I'm praying to the living God. There's a difference. He wants us to turn to someone else. He wants us to turn to something else. He wants us to doubt the Lord, His Word, His promises, His goodness, His, His goodness, and ultimately turn from the Lord. Turn from true love for God, devotion to the living Savior. What Christ is working to do, what our God is working to do and desiring and enabling us to do is to trust Him and to wait on Him. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is what our Lord is working to do. Trust in the Lord. I'm giving you scriptures you know backwards and forward, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on thine own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Be still. I love this one in Psalm 46.10 and know that I'm God. Satan doesn't want you to be still. He wants you to panic and, and try something else and flee from the refuge that's in Christ and flee to something or someone else and get out there on your own and where you're easy pickings. Be still and know that I'm God. He's faithful and true. The Bible says, and, and, and behold, a horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. His name is faithful. Satan's not faithful. I'm not faithful. This world's not faithful. Where am I going to go besides the Lord? We're going to turn to the Lord. God is working to strengthen our faith. I wrote down some scriptures that I just want to read quickly. We're, we're about to close, but... Just some scriptures that I want to give you. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. David says in Psalm 25, 5, if you're taking notes. For thou art my God, the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. So he's telling him, I'm waiting on you, God. We need to affirm that to the Lord and confess that to the Lord. A little bit later in that same psalm. Psalm, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Psalm 52, 9, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it and I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. You know what he said? He's done it. Probably many other things he had done for David and he was counting what hadn't been done yet as good as done and he says, I will wait on thy name for it is good. Psalm 62, 5, my soul wait thou only upon God. David's talking to his own soul. My soul wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from Him. We're waiting on the Lord. 
Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in, the, in the, his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So we're going to trust in the Lord. Now I'm going to bring this to a close, but the Lord said in that parable of the unjust judge, there's a parable teaching men to pray and not think. He tells us what it was about. And he says, shall not God and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry out to him day and night, though he bear along with them, I say unto you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Noah waited and prepared an ark for 120 years. It was 120 years of waiting from the time God said, the end of all flesh has come before me. You have I seen righteous in this generation. Prepare an ark. Okay? 120 years in waiting. But the flood did come, didn't it? It came. It came in the fullness of time. It was everything the flood was supposed to be. It did everything it was supposed to, supposed to do. The ark did everything it was supposed to do and protected Noah. Noah and his family were safe on the ark and the animals. He waited and then it came. We can wait on God knowing that he's righteous and true. We just talked about Abraham and Sarah. 75 years they waited on the promised child. I mean 25 years on the promised child Isaac to come. Jacob waited 20 years. He served Laban. Laban who deceived him and tricked him and changed his wages 10 times. 20 years he waited for his wives and the flocks and herds that God had blessed him with there in Syria. The children of Israel waited 440 years to come out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. God had said, Abraham, your seed's going to be uh, become a mighty nation. They're going to be taken to be strangers in the land. And they're going to be oppressed there and serve in bondage. And after that, I will bring, I tells them how long I will bring them out. 440 years is a long time. They waited, but they came out. They came out, the Bible says, by the high hand of God. They came out. Because he came not only speedily when he came, he came all together, mightily, substantially. That's what that word means when he comes. Joseph in the Old Testament waited after his brother sold him in slavery. It says he waited until the word of the Lord tried him. What does that mean? That means as long as God sees fit, until God was through trying him, that he would come through his pure goal, that the trying of your faith might come through his pure goal. We suffer. We go through things. We wait. We cry out to him day and night. Tomorrow we start it over again. We wait. We suffer. We cry out to God day and night. I'm not saying our lives are miserable. I'm saying this world's not our home. And we cry out to God. We need to understand, number one, he is, our God is going to avenge us. When he does it, it's going to be both quickly and all together. And we need to be found believing him when he comes and not have our faith weakened. Many righteous men and women in the waited and lived and died and waited for their Messiah to come. Never saw him on this earth. Simeon waited. Simeon waited for the consolation of Israel. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he wouldn't see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. And he went and saw him. 
he, he comes. Amen. The Lord did come. The Lord does come. The Lord will come and avenge his own. And the Lord whom you seek, Malachi 3.1, shall suddenly come to his temple. And we can look at the big picture of the second coming and the rapture and everything. I agree with that. The first coming, he suddenly came into the temple to a long waiting, weary people. But he's going to suddenly come in your life and my life. He's either going to call us home and we'll be with him and all the troubles of this life will be forgotten. We won't be crying to him day and night, suffering. Or he's going to come and meet us in our need and deliver us in whatever fashion and whatever time he sees fit to do that. So I'm going to close with this. You can come. I know it's a very simple message this morning. We're talking about waiting on God. We're talking about trusting in the Lord. You can wait on God and not really trust. You can wait and not be patient. I've done it. We all do it. Or we can wait like David did, waiting patiently for the Lord. He's the one that's going to help us to do that. I'm closing with this. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. Gee, uh, David says, I have fainted unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. He had fainted unless he had what believed to see the goodness of God in, in this land, the land of the living. Okay? Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. That's how we're to wait. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Let's pray. Let's just take this time with the Lord. Find your place. Find your altar to meet with the Lord. And we all can pray this morning. We can all cry to God. Lord, forgive me for doubting you. Forgive me for uh, trying to take matters into my own hands. Forgive me for getting disgusted and tired of waiting. Forgive me for complaining and murmuring. Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to strengthen my faith in you. Lord, your word says, I say unto you, he will avenge them speedily. Lord, you're going to avenge your own elect that cry out to you day and night, though you bear long with us, God. Joseph was in bondage. He was a slave in the Old Testament and, and a prisoner. And he stayed there until the word of the Lord tried him. He stayed there until you took him out suddenly and made him prime minister of Egypt in literally a space of probably a few hours from a prisoner to a prime minister of the biggest country on the planet. Lord, you come and you come speedily and you're going to come all together mightily. Help us to believe you for that. All the promises of God are yea and amen. Every scripture Every story that we read in the Bible, every account speaks of the faithfulness of God, the power of God. You don't forget your own. You don't neglect your own. We're not abandoned. We're not forsaken. Lord, we, you are, we're engraven. You said of Israel, engraved in the palms of your hands. And God, you're not going to forget your own. You promised us that. We just read it in the parable in Luke 18. But Lord, help us to believe you. I pray for every, every person here, young and old, every single person here this morning. God, that you would strengthen our faith in the living God. You would strengthen us to wait. We're telling you and confessing, Lord, I will wait on thee. I'm not turning to the left or the right. 
He said, vain is the help of man. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Strengthen our faith in you this morning, God. We need it. We're living in perilous times.